1: To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.
2: Would you like a DTNS hat, a hoodie, a mask, a mouse pad, more? We have all that and a lot more at the DTNS store, dailytechnewsshowcom slash store. Coming up on DTNS, Meta's first metaverse adjacent product opens up to everybody. The EU makes a decent attempt at defining gig workers. And has Kickstarter kickstarted the decentralization wave? This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, December 9th, 2021, in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And
3: from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane.
4: From Austin, Texas, I'm Justin Robert Young. And
2: I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. There is more than just daily tech news show that you can dream of in your philosophy or get by becoming a patron. Get Good Day Internet, patreon.com slash DTNS.
0: Big thanks
3: to our top patrons, including DeGracia A. Daniels, Erwin Sturr, and Ken Hayes.
2: Let's start with a few tech things you should know.
3: Don't press that button. The prisoner has a last minute reprieve. Probably not actually how it went, but... The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit granted a stay of the order to allow developers to link to third-party payments. The judge wrote that Apple's appeal raises serious questions on the merit of district court's determination, indicating a possibility of overturning it. The stay of the original order does not apply to the requirement forcing Apple to allow communicating with customers through points of contact obtained voluntarily from customers through account registration within the app. Of course, this is just a stay on that part of the order. A final decision on it will wait for the full appeal to be heard, which could take more than a year.
2: Instagram announced the return of the chronological feed coming early next year. Uh, that's not exactly how they described it, though. Instagram comms on Twitter, no less, tweeted, We've been experimenting with favorites, a way for you to decide whose posts you want to see higher up. And we're working on another option to see posts from people you follow in chronological order. (laughs) What a great new feature. Uh, Instagram removed the ability to browse a chronological feed back in 2016.
3: Italian antitrust regulators fined Amazon $1.2 billion for abusing market dominance by promoting fulfillment by Amazon or FBA, its own logistics service. The regulator claimed that companies had to use FBA to access key benefits like prime delivery and to participate in Black Friday sales, considered crucial for success on the Amazon marketplace. The company called the fine unjustified and disproportionate and will appeal. Amazon says third party sellers can use their seller for full Prime service, which gives them access to Prime without requiring FBA.
2: Following up on Wednesday's note that Apple would announce its first mixed reality headset next year, analyst Ming-Chi Kuo strung out a few more details that he has learned. Kuo's sources tell him that Apple will use four sets of 3D sensors in the device for hand tracking and object detection. The sensors are expected to be higher quality than what's in the iPhone right now, the one that's used for Face ID among other things. The sensors will supposedly also do eye tracking, iris recognition, voice control, skin detection, expression detection detection, and spatial detection. Uh, the upshot of this is if Quo's right, you won't need a controller.
3: Oppo announced a foldable smartphone called the Oppo Find N. Looks similar to the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold with a large internal screen and a smaller outer screen to use when the device is folded. Oppo's external screen looks a little more like a typical smartphone than the tall, thin Fold 3 screen does. More details are expected when the Oppo Find N launches on December 15th. That'll be the second of Oppo's Inno days where it will show off its concept devices like a phone with a retractable camera.
2: All right. Let's talk about Matter, the smart home standard coming together to make smart devices interoperable among the members. And the members include Google, Amazon, Apple, and Samsung, among many others. So it looks likely to succeed. That's becoming a standard next year. The Verge notes that Matter, in addition to making your smart lock work with your smart assistant and your smart garage door opener, includes a protocol for casting to televisions. Right now, there are about five different main ways to cast depending on what devices you use. The two main ways that you're probably familiar with are Google Cast and Apple's AirPlay. Ideally, a Matter protocol would replace all those, but it may not. I'll explain. Amazon is leading the development of Matter's TV protocols, which kind of makes sense because Amazon doesn't have their own protocol, unlike the rest of the big tech companies out there. And the Amazon Smart Assistant is one of the main ways of interacting with TVs by voice. So it has vested interest in making this work easier. The Matter spec, as it's being written, supports casting from a Matter client, so like your remote control, your smart speaker, your phone app, et cetera, to an app running on a television or a television-connected streaming device that supports Matter. Now, if your app is running on a device that doesn't support Matter, it can also support URL-based casting, which means there doesn't even need to be an app on the TV side, The TV just needs to support DASH or HLS DRM streams, and most TVs and devices support at least one of those, if not both. In addition to casting from your phone, the Matter Protocol could let smart devices like your door lock or your doorbell send a notification to the TV without you having to set up communications between them, uh, even showing a video feed from your doorbell, say. It doesn't rely on the cloud, just your home network, uh, Ethernet, Wi-Fi, or the Thread Protocol. The spec will need apps to build in the support first. That's the gating factor. On the TV side, it can work with URLs, like I said, but it will work better if the TV is Matter compliant. Samsung, TCL, Panasonic, and LG are all involved with Matter, so that's good news. But uh, Vizio, Sony, Toshiba, and Roku are not. And keep in mind that a member company doesn't have to support every single part of Matter on every device they make. So Apple and Google don't need to support the Matter TV casting protocol. But if Amazon does, you would still be able to cast from a phone running Prime Video, an app that Amazon makes, to the Prime Video app on an Apple TV or Google TV, because they make the app on both ends. They can use the Matter protocol there. Uh, I don't know how much this really matters to most people, except in the fact that if it all worked out, they would no longer have to guess which button to tap to cast something from a phone to a TV, Right.
4: Yeah, and 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 more specifically, it'll be simpler and and hopefully encourage people to use these devices interoperably more. Uh, what I think is, you know, remains to be seen. Is the rubber still has to hit the road on exactly how many of these features are going to be supported per device, and that I think will be tied to how these companies want to differentiate their products and what features they do want to keep exclusive, be they things that we already have or new features that they want to roll out.
3: Yeah, in the case of Google and Apple, I can see where the companies. I mean... I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how much these companies feel the need to participate. I know both companies have said yes we're 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 happy to play along, you know going forward, and the promise of matter is it takes out the guesswork for the consumer. but like you said, Tom, there are already certain um certain televisions that are matter compliant, other companies have not gotten on board yet, and I think as the end user, until this is just something where it's like, oh, something goes from one device and i would like to it to uh, show up on another device you know namely my television at least for this conversation if you have to think about it too much then i don't think matter's you know ready for prime time yet
2: well and 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 i want to want to roll back here and, and point out that for smart home devices apple google amazon samsung they are all on board for putting matter compliant on their devices so i don't think it's going to cause a problem for smart home stuff most, most of these devices are going to say Matter compliant. They're going to support Matter on them. That's why they're all in this consortium. But when yes. you're talking specifically about TV, it's not against the rules. And I wouldn't be shocked if Apple's like, yeah, we're not going to put Matter compliant on the Apple TV. Although there will be some pressure to be like, hey, wouldn't you like Apple TV to be a smart home hub? You want it to be Matter compliant if you mm-hmm. want it to be a smart home hub. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Uh, but that's where Apple might feel some pressure is like, gosh, yeah, we do want to be part of Matter because I I think Matter will work for the vast majority of what you consider smart home devices. Uh, I think Google will probably make their devices Matter compliant on the video streaming side. I could see Apple trying to figure out a way to be like, "Mm, we'd rather just stick in the AirPlay universe because we just think it's better. Um,
4: We'll see. Right. Hey, you want to know what else we're going to see? The fact that Meta has opened its VR social platform Horizon Worlds to all Quest users in the U.S. and Canada, 18 years or older. Users will need a Facebook account, and they can then hang out with up to 20 people at a time. The focus is on social interactions, but it also includes a Roblox or Minecraft-esque element that lets users build things. It also has sub-games like a Battle Royale shooter. For building things, it offers something called script blocks, which are kind of low-code ways to add interactions to objects. Meta makes the type of script blocks by request and plans to release a free library of them. Horizon also uses humans as guides in each world to help new users.
3: It strikes me how much just a couple of years ago, what you just said, Justin, would make no sense.
4: (laughs) None at all that's my, my problem with this is it would make a lot of sense because VR chat was around. Like, like a lot of this stuff is not necessarily really even new. And for a company that wants to be charting the future of the metaverse, it, it strikes me and it has struck me from their, from their announcement, how limited their imagination is on this.
2: Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, I, the, the, the thing that people seem to be reacting to is that script blocks thing you mentioned like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like I can, I can build a leaderboard for my thing. Uh, and Roblox and, and Minecraft people are like, sure, cool, cool story, bro. I but Yeah, I, I don't nice, know.
4: nice skin on this idea. Yeah. Like, like, I'm sure Population 1, which has been doing Maybe a VR. I haven't done it, I
2: don't realize that it is so much better than what's in Roblox and Minecraft, which seems like it might be the case. But otherwise, yeah, it's like you could do all this in Second Life, just a little clunkier, right?
4: Well, I mean, obviously there is an immersive factor with VR that that does make things different. Like it is functionally different to play Demio than it is to play a tabletop game. That would give you a lot of the same experience. It's, it's functionally different to play VR golf that VR mini golf than regular mini golf. That being said, uh, the idea here is that Meta wants to kind of uh, bring this to the masses. They they want to show that w- what what the world of of uh, a, a a virtual addendum to our physical domain can do. And maybe I'm being overcritical and I'm being over cynical and I'm rolling my eyes when I don't need to to say that this is a tepid first step. But it is a first step, and this is what they want. This is what they envision their version of VR chat can be. Despite because VR chat is admittedly a bit of a cesspool.
3: Yeah, I when this was um, something you had to get an invite for, I didn't try. <laughs> I just didn't care. But now that it's open, I uh, yeah, I have precious few friends uh, on the quest. But uh, I, I, I do want to try it out. I'm not sure how much stuff I'm going to build. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll end up being more fun than I think. But the social platform stuff, I've messed around with some of that. Even just kind of like, I don't know, hanging out with strangers in a movie theater is weird. But... But still, it's like there's something there. We're just in the early days of that, and 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 Meta isn't the only company to to try it. But, and I know there are a lot of folks who say, eh, "Well, you need a Facebook account." Not going to be me, and that's fine. But but I'll I'll give it a shot. You know, yeah, I'll report back. Uh, Mess- message Tom, us. Tom, Tom Justin, question, and I will we'll hang out with
4: you. Good. Uh, in in the next twelve months, will we have a DTNS pre show meeting? In Horizon Worlds, I mean, now that you've asked, then yes,
3: <laughs> yeah. Except because that's except, that's definitely what
2: we need. I don't know if everybody in the pre-show meeting has a quest, so there might be. Well, a I think you, you, you should be
4: able to call in, right? They did that in the in in the demo video. Oh, they had is some that right? That
2: were, okay, yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll just make a point of doing that, just to just to try it maybe. out.
3: I think we're going to regret it. Uh, Kickstarter <laughs> announced the development of an open source protocol that will essentially create a decentralized version of Kickstarter's core functionality, living on a public blockchain and enabling everyone, including competitors to Kickstarter, into the crowdfunding space to use or build upon the technology. The protocol will be built on Silo. CELO, an open-source blockchain using proof of stake. Celo claims to be carbon negative through its use of offsets. The new platform will have an independent development organization and Governance Lab, governance lab rather. Kickstarter will fund the development organization and also appoint their board. The Governance Lab will develop rules that the Kickstarter and other that Kickstarter and other platform operators could use for the protocol, as well as publish research on best practices. Wants to be pretty involved. So basically, Kickstarter will open up the way that the platform works mechanically, but also the way that it handles the rules and processes for how you propose ideas, make decisions, and resolve conflict. Maybe one of those or both will be a decentralized autonomous organization or a DAO. Kickstarter expects to move its own service to the new platform in 2022, though the user experience should stay the same. Which was my first question was like, yeah, I have never run my own Kickstarter campaign, but I know plenty of people who have. I've certainly uh, been involved in, uh, you know, the crowdfunding part of it. How does this change that experience?
2: Yeah, this isn't designed to directly change Kickstarter. Uh, It's designed to make it so that Kickstarter can improve itself maybe faster in ways it wouldn't have otherwise. So as a user of Kickstarter, you would notice in like, wow, Kickstarter got really good, really fast. All those things I used to complain about are gone. If this were to work in an ideal world, which I'm guessing it won't, but that you know that's kind of the idea is that it just rising tide lifts all boats. Let's decentralize this. And so, our moderation for lack of a better word, uh you know what what projects we allow, what our rules are, that gets better because we have an open governance model. Uh, there are more platforms out there driving innovation in the open source platform that helps Kickstarter, and Kickstarter specializes itself by saying the service we provide to you as a seller or buyer is what distinguishes us from the others. The actual mechanics and the governance become something that's just done by the community in general. And I've been waiting for this trend to catch on. We've seen inklings of it with Twitter's Blue Sky, with Mastodon, with all kinds of projects out there. But Kickstarter saying we're doing it and we're doing it next year or early next year means this is the next step you would need to see to see a wave of decentralization we've had a wave of centralization since the late 90s right everything's been getting more and more centralized this is the pendulum starting to maybe swing back this is what you would have to look for so uh i it's too early to say this will be the thing that makes it swing back but but this is a sign that the test of that is beginning
4: yeah. And there's not a ton of risk for Kickstarter to create a lot of smaller, lesser known competitors for themselves because they have an almost, you know, a, a, a Coke or Kleenex like dominance in their genre. The kickstarting is, is almost synonymous with the concept of crowdfunding. Yeah. Uh, what this will do is effectively bring an element of verifiability and trust that I don't think Kickstarter has a problem with now, per se, but now it would remove any doubt Going forward and and would allow people to see, okay, exactly in in each moment, how much came in, where did it come from? And uh, uh, there is no server that that can be fudged, even internally within Kickstarter.
2: And and the governance lab is is got echoes of that that uh, Facebook oversight board. Right. Where it's like we are not the ones deciding who gets to be on the platform and not. We've got a wider group governing this for all crowdfunding platforms as part of this open source organization i mean it would have to catch on and everybody use I, it when indiegogo size love, up for this y'all uh, i'll maybe start to be a believer but yeah
4: i would love if every major tech company had its own autonomous court system that constantly argued with the company itself like facebook's oversight board did i think that would be healthy and good
2: uh folks we love getting ideas from you. We do it every day by looking at our subreddit. Uh, it's actually a place where I, I recently answered a question where somebody was confused about why they were getting certain episodes in a feed. And I explained like, eh, there's a problem with that feed. That's not the way it's supposed to work. Uh, go on our subreddit. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about on the show. It's dailytechnewshow.reddit.com.
0: Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. To learn more, what would you like the power to do? Bank of America NA, copyright 2024.
1: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in person payments. Then, Stripe, Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods, just a simple tap on my iPhone, and transactions are complete.
4: Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today.
2: The European Commission proposed a directive which could lead to gig workers across the European Union, you know, your Ubers, your Deliveroo drivers, gaining legal protections of the class called workers in the EU, which is slightly different class than uh, employees in the United States. Workers have rights to a minimum wage, paid leave, unemployment and illness benefits, pensions, and collective bargaining, uh, which is different employees have all those rights and some other rights as well. The commission also aims to increase transparency over how employees are managed by algorithm, including giving uh, workers the rights to contest algorithm-based decisions. So transparency, this is how the algorithm makes its decision and some kind of mechanism for you to challenge that if you need to. The key here is to lay out criteria to determine when a platform is simply an intermediary, like Indeed, right? They're not employing the contractors. They're just helping contractors find jobs. And when it's acting more like an employer, which is Uber and Deliveroo, where they kind of Tell you where to go and what to do. The criteria in the directive include determining or setting limits on pay. If you do that, you might be (laughs) a worker. Uh, (laughs) Rules on appearance. Uh, telling you what you can and can't wear, rules on conduct towards the customer, always greet them with this phrase. We're not talking about health and safety here. We're talking about things outside of that. Supervising and verifying the quality of the work, restricting freedom to choose working hours and choose absences, refusing tasks, whether you can or can't do that without penalty, and whether you can use a subcontractor or not, something Uber doesn't want you to do. Restricting the ability to engage directly with customers outside the platform is another big one. If a platform meets at least two of those criteria, then it would be presumed to be an employer rather than an intermediary, and people engaged on that platform would have the status of worker in the EU. Platforms would have a chance to rebut the determination for their platform, but the burden of proof would be on them not the state, to show that one of those criteria was misapplied. The proposal is now going to be debated by the European Parliament and the European Council and then would have to be adopted as law by individual member states. So we're talking a couple of years before this really goes into effect. I got to say, this is the first rule that I look at and say, ah, yes, this says there is a legitimate contractor marketplace out there. Yeah. But there's also this new thing with platforms and it tries to define it by the platform instead of trying to classify workers based on what the worker is doing.
4: Yeah. You know, most of my EU takes boil down to boy, do they like rules? And I believe that they like rules so much that they create even more rules. But I do think that this ruling, if you are going to have a ton of rules on employment, no matter what, then it does make sense to subdivide this pie a little more thin, and 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 saying not only are gig workers uh, uh, separate from a salaried employee, but even further that there uh, are are other criteria that need to be met on whether or not you are effectively being you are getting gigs out of this machine, or if you are being connected with somebody that would then give you a gig, and at that point that uh, uh, that entity. Would take upon the responsibility of any of of, of these uh, uh, burdens. I think it makes sense in a world where you already have a lot of obligations, rules, and promises that are being made from the government to the worker.
3: I don't know. I mean, when I look at the criteria, and I know that two two of the criteria, um, you know, if 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 they indeed uh, are are so, then sure, you've got a worker, right, uh, rather than an intermediary situation it seems like there wouldn't be very many intermediaries under these under these criteria. Well, and
2: I think that's the, the key. And, and this is what I like about it, is it starts by saying, if you're a platform, it doesn't start by saying, if you're a worker. Because, mm-hmm. and I'm taking this personally now, in California, they created a law that defined employees uh, based yeah. on certain criteria, aimed at Uber, that Uber then went and got California to put an amendment uh, you know, a a, a a referendum that exempted them from that rule, leaving me uh, subject to that rule, but yeah. not Uber. And I'm not a platform. So what I love about this is it starts by saying you're a platform connecting people. Great. Are you a marketplace for contractors, or are you really actually employing people? And let's this is the criteria. Uh, I think you're right. I think it leaves. Indeed and, you know, Fiverr and those except because they're not telling you how to do the work, but then says, yeah, everybody else, all those other gig workers, those those are workers.
4: Yeah, I mean, again, uh, uh, we we get into I, I want the conversation that people take away from this to not be about thinking about the laws that people that, that the EU applies to these employment classifications, because that's another separate conversation about you know whether that help or hurts business. Blah 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 blah. This is about the classification itself, and I do agree it is a reasonable way to define it, at least in terms of of you know a gig machine versus a place where you find gigs. Hey, uh, uh you know, for years this company, Microsoft, you ever heard of them? Hardly. They've been pushing notices through its network when it detects that somebody is using an unauthorized copy of their popular product, Office. Warnings of security risks that pirated copies can have. Encouraging them to get a legitimate copy. But now, Microsoft is almost bribing the pirates. Pushing a message with a link to get 50% off a Microsoft 365 subscription. That brings it to $35 a year or $50 a year with a family subscription.
3: Get off the streets, kids. Get legit. (laughs) yeah yeah no street drugs here not with microsoft
2: my first my first reaction to this was like darn i wish i didn't already have a subscription i'd go pirate a copy so i could get 50 percent off
4: yeah uh uh, you know the big thing about this is is i don't this is not a move that they would have ever made in a pre-subscription model Uh, uh and i wouldn't be shocked if you saw uh things like this from other heavily pirated uh, software like like Photoshop and stuff like that, it, it, that also have moved to, to subscription models because they are probably going to make money more money off you if you even tried to go legit and then cut it out of your life than they would have ever trying to sell you a one-time version of this product that then they were going to offer a new version and they were going to bug you to upgrade that one.
2: And they don't take the PR hit of a bunch of people who are like, I didn't realize I had bought a pirated copy. I, I was defrauded by someone and then Microsoft shut me off and I which is why they don't just shut them off now. They, yeah. they feel like it's it's better for them as a company to just try to convert people because a lot of the people using pirated copies probably don't realize that they're pirated copies. So I mean um, a lot do. A lot of them do, but then what are you (laughs) going to do? Shut them off and take them to court? That's a game of whack-a-mole,
4: so, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with, like, password sharing on on these other subscription services. It's like, if you don't come in knowing that that's the case, then you're just going to piss off a lot of people.
3: Well, if you are going to be in the Kentucky area of the U.S., it's a big area. But if you're looking for something to do while you're there, Chris Christensen has a tour idea for you automotive tech enthusiasts.
2: This is Chris Christensen from Amateur Traveler with another Tech in Travel Minute. I'm going to talk about a place to go again if you like tech you should do an auto factory tour. It is really fascinating to see how automobiles are built these days with all of the automation and the robots that are involved in that. I've done a couple of them, but my favorite by far is the Corvette factory tour in Bowling Green, Kentucky. If you've really got a lot of money, you can build your own engine and drive your car right off the factory floor and be the first one to put the key in. Or you can just go on the tour. There's also a privately run corvette museum pretty much across the street from the factory that you can visit as well i'm chris christensen from amateur traveler
3: you guys gonna get engine. your corvette at the factory i Just mean i've tried right off.
2: build my own engine but i i don't think i can swing
3: it for a corvette <laughs> <laughs> all right let's check out the mailbag this one comes in from russell russell's always got really good on the ground stories for us the latest On my nightly neighborhood wanderings, Russell says, I came across this new storefront for something called Fridge No More, which looks to be another entry into the 15-minute delivery space. Russell also attached a photo for all you watching the video feed of this. Russell says it was interesting. From what I could see, it was a waiting space in the front with bike delivery people kind of hanging out and then a room in back with a bunch of shelves was in a pretty pricey building so your conversation about how these startups are burning cash makes sense thanks as always for the great work and i'm looking forward to the year end shows
2: i kind of first of all thank you russell for always like being out and about in new york uh capturing uh, cool stuff for us like this fridge no more is such a pitch such a manhattan pitch of like <laughs> do you do you, do you, you reclaim yeah. that space don't even need a fridge anymore you just uh, dial it up from us ice cream we'll bring it to you before it melts uh it's i i, I totally see that resonating with people i doubt you want to really get rid of your fridge though
4: yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's it's ditch your fridge just yet when it comes to fridge no more. Uh uh, uh in fact, if I were to take my bets, I think that you're probably the fate of that company will be just losing the fridge from their name
3: <laughs> or or I don't know, I mean, sure, this is this is New York. we're talking about where um uh, for a lot of people, space is extremely limited. The idea that sure, there's certain things I need in my fridge, like you know, my creamer for my coffee, and you know a, a couple things. if you could make it a lot smaller, the things that you right. actually do need in your space because fridge no more or a company like it is going to provide all the other stuff that you just want on demand, i that's. It could work. Certain yeah. markets much more than others. You're right. You could da- you
2: could possibly like I'm kind of with with Justin on this, but you could possibly make this work for like oh, you don't need to keep things in the fridge. So you could have a smaller fridge. But yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not dialing up fridge no more in the morning to get the just the amount of milk I want to put in my
4: coffee. So I mean, here's here's the thing. I don't I drink and my all- coffee
2: black when I say that, but still,
4: even yeah. if but if I did. All of these companies think that these logistics are just so easy and they're so brilliant they're the ones who are going to crack it and there are logistics people i know this audience is smart and there are logistics people in this audience that like me are having a hearty belly laugh as they lemming like go tumbling off the cliff
2: i i will say if fridge no more is in a a pricey building my guess is they are available for the people in that pricey building because you know what You you can get it up to them fast because you're right there. And if they can afford to live there, they can afford to pay your
4: premium prices. Only no fridgers in the building.
3: It's like sleep no more, but just all fridges. Ooh, <laughs> like spooky. Sleep no more, for fridges. I, yeah, and weird. And Very avant-garde. Uh, if, you have, uh, if, you, if you're on the ground, uh, you're hitting the pavement, and you see something that we might like on the show, you want to take a photo like Russell did, please do so. Or if you have any feedback for us at all, anything that we talk about on the show or might talk about on a future show, we'd like to hear it. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is where to send those emails. We also have a brand new boss, and we'd like to thank that brand new boss, Bayou S. As- mara who just started backing us on patreon thank you Bayou. Yay! you're and, the you know, best
2: uh they get this applause all to themselves today you know that's right
3: yep standing now nope,
2: thank you thank you for slipping uh, in there under the under the wire too
3: yeah exactly thanks to justin robert young as well justin you are a busy gent uh what have you been up to
4: oh well you know me jetting around town uh, busy <laughs> as always uh uh the politics 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 show is live tomorrow and uh, I know that uh, the supply chain is something that's been talked about a lot on this program. A uh, friend of, of uh, not only me, but also everybody else in this show, Brian Brushwood, comes on to give a real inside perspective of what it's like to run a web store, specifically one that does a lot of bespoke stuff where a lot of supply chain issues have uh, pretty much crushed his business uh, to the tune of 45 percent uh, down year on year. Uh, uh, Hear about all of that in intricate detail that kind of stuff interests you on tomorrow's episode of politics politics politics
2: yeah if you liked Brian on the show Monday talking about that on DTNS uh, he's going to get into it even deeper uh, with Justin so it's, it's it's the the perfect companion to that appearance yeah
3: well we are live on this show Monday through Friday 4.30pm Eastern 21.30 UTC did you know find out more at com slash live join us if you can we're back tomorrow with Shannon Morse and Len Peralta talk to you then
0: of the
2: frog pants studios network for more information about this and other shows visit FrogTents.com. audio program so good it's
4: like you're there diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this broker
3: <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time